awesome podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Aaron. I'll be your host for today. This is a podcast where we dive into people's lives, ordinary people's lives, and we just find out their testimony, what God has been doing in their lives, and then celebrating with them or crying with them, as some of these other podcasts have been. Uh, we've got a very special guest on the podcast, my wife, uh, my love, my beloved, uh, Kelsey Mamuyak. Kelsey, say what's up to the people. That's me. That's what's up, guys? That's <laughs> you. Uh, if you guys are joining with us live or after, please um, give us a like or uh, emoji and comment in the comment section below. Something like "Go Kelsey" or "God is awesome." awesome. Yeah. hashtag uh, hashtag replay If you're watching this in the future, uh, we want to spell a special special shout out to people who are already joining us. Uh, Jess. What's going on? Good to see you. Thanks for joining us in. Um, yeah, so this is a podcast where we basically dive into people's testimonies. Um, and I think it's really important to dive in people's testimonies because it's uh, when Moses walked onto, um, you know, onto where God was, uh, God said, take off your shoes, right? And that's like a sign of like, it's, it's holy. And so we're diving into going into places where God has been in your life. And it's a holy experience. Like it's, it's uh, and we want to praise God for that. So uh, that's what we're doing here. Um, so I'm just going to kick it back over to you, Kelsey. Um, <laughs> what's your name? Where you been? How old were you when you came to Christ? How long you've been a Christian? Give me give us some background. Before I do that, can I ask you, is that why you have people take off their shoes before they enter our home? Because <laughs> it's a holy place. Is, if you guys didn't know, like, um, so I have, <laughs> I grew up Filipino and when they enter the house, I'm like a shoe Nazi. Okay. Don't, <laughs> don't walk in my house with your shoes. Because, no, do not walk in our house your house with be, your shoes. Your, your shoes be walking all over in like public. Anyway, this is not about <laughs> the rules of the house. Sorry. Sorry. It is I had, holy ground. I had to ask. It I is holy ground though. <laughs> Give us some background. Um, well, my name is Kelsey. Like Aaron said, um, I am a preschool teacher. I love teaching little people. I love education. Um, I've come to Christ or I, uh, Christ came to me um, when I was five years old. Uh, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, the typical accept him into your heart Christian lingo that uh, people use. Um, but I think that I didn't really have a personal relationship with God um, until I was uh, a teenager, which is a very long time from five to at least 16, 11 years um, of just kind of walking and wandering and kind of figuring out what it means um, to live as a Christ follower, um, which I think a lot of people that grow up in a Christian home, I would say feel um, I don't know when Aaron first asked me to come on this podcast, I was a little reluctant because I'm like, but my story is not like crazy, you yeah. know, like there, you have really awesome stories of how God has like come into these people's lives. And it was a complete 180 versus mine was just kind of the slow growth over the years. Um, so when you said, let me interrupt you. Sure. When you said, um, you accepted Christ at four, five, five. Yeah. Um, what, what does, what did that look like? What does that mean? Accepted Christ? Yeah. Um, well, I, when people ask me about my faith, I think the biggest thing that I credit my faith to is my mom and the way that God has worked in her life and how he's worked through her and turned her life around in a 180 crazy story. Um, and I grew up in a home where um, God was number one. Uh, so I went to a Christian preschool and learned who Jesus was there. So when um, given the decision at five, when someone had asked at um, our Sunday school at church, uh, I raised my hand and decided that that's the life that I wanted to live to honor God. Um, to put him first, to um, say that he reigns supreme in my life. Um, yeah. Okay. So you knew the word supreme at five years uh, old. Yeah, I did. Smart, I had a very in <laughs> interesting vocabulary five. You probably so, asked my mom. <laughs> so from five to, you said teenage years. Yeah, about 16. What What was that like for you? What were you 
close to God. Like, I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because looking back, I would say it's kind of hard to figure out where my heart was necessarily during those years. Um, I would say the biggest thing that, um, I would say, uh, God used in my life at that time was, uh, mission trips with our, my youth group at the time. Okay. So, um, which if you don't know what a mission trip is, it's pretty much your, uh, a lot of churches do it. Um, they take a group of people who fundraise a lot of money to go on these trips. Um, and you go away to a place where people uh, don't know Jesus and you uh, serve and love that community there. And at first I really thought it was all about me and my impact on those people's lives. Um, but slowly but surely I started learning that it wasn't so much about my impact on their lives. It was what God was doing in my life and shredding me of things that I was clinging to. So tell me about that. Like, what do you mean yeah. going on a mission trip? How has how that shift? Like maybe describe that a little bit more. What do you mean? Like, the shift in? So you, you said that I was going on a mission trip for my impact. Yeah. And then it got changed to about, about being impacted. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started going on mission trips uh, when I was in sixth grade. So like 11 or 12 years old. Um, and when I had first gone on the trip, it was like all about me. All I thought about was, uh, the way that I was serving, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Cause that's part of, you know, my story was learning, uh, what, you know, that trip was really about, but it was always, I wanted to be like the hardest worker. I wanted to be the last one doing whatever mm -hmm. it was. Uh, I wanted people to acknowledge that I, that it was about me. Look at how holy Kelsey is. Cause she's doing all this work, um, for God. When in reality, um, that's not what it's about. You know, it's about, um, what God was doing in my life and teaching me that that's where my identity was lying. And I think a lot of it, um, I am super blessed to have, um, very extremely hardworking parents, um, and parents that, uh, are loving and affectionate, but I started, um, rooting myself. And I think my faith in just my hard works for God. So, um, I was translating, uh, what I saw my parents doing, you know, at, at a young age to my relationship with God, because God being our heavenly father, I just thought, you know, I'm working hard and my parents are acknowledging that that's awesome. It makes me feel good. Let me do that for God. Mm, interesting. Um, so you, you saw hardworking parents mm -hmm. and you saw that like, Hey, they love me. They are working hard. Yeah. For me, and so I feel like I need to work hard for them. Yeah. And in the same turn in the same hand, you, you're going to work hard for God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it, it's funny because it's, I don't, I want to say like, I don't blame my parents for that. That was my skewed view of what it was gotcha. because I knew that regardless of what I did and when I messed up, my parents still loved me anyway, but I wasn't translating that part of the relationship to yeah. God, yeah. you know? So it was very much my, those years um, of just, uh, Hey Mandy, uh, those years of um, just really uh, rooting myself in my identity and um, just feeling that, I needed to work my way into people's approval. And so that's where my identity was really rooted. I would say until about almost 19. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The shift started happening, you know, later in high school, um, really understanding what the gospel means and what God's grace means for our lives and that um, we are free in him. But I was still deeply rooted in my works-based faith that sure. God only loved me because sure. I did things for him. Sure. And and that's called legalism, right? In, yes. in, in, in theological terms, <laughs> right? For, that's the word of the day. Uh, it's where this is where we have to do and do and do to yeah. earn like a friendship or a relationship. Like yeah. I feel like I've done that, you know, 
multiple times in my life where yeah. I could like prove myself to mm-hmm. earn that. And you thought, did you, did you subconsciously think that or were you conscious about it? Like, yeah. Like, what was it? You know what I mean? Like, I need to love God, show people I love God, show God I love you by going to, uh, where'd you go, Jamaica or something? Uh, the Bahamas. Bahamas, yeah. right? Is that, is that more or less how it happened? Yeah, it wasn't so much this, like, conscientious effort that I needed to climb this ladder to make it up to God. It was a very, like, subconscious thing. And as weird as it sounds, I am very adamant about preaching the gospel to my little preschoolers now. And I make it known because I, I feel like that, not that I was robbed of that necessarily, but that I, I knew who Jesus was and I knew that, um, he was God's son and died for my sins and this beautiful, um, gift he's given us of a relationship with him, um, through Jesus. But, um, I never was told, um, that when you mess up, God still loves you. Mm. So I make it like a known fact. It's interesting how God kind of, well, maybe that's my 180 experience that I can take what I feel like wasn't told to me at a young age um, to, or maybe it was and I was just ignorant and ignored it. Sure. But uh, make sure that I tell my preschoolers when I teach them about Jesus that that even when you mess up, because you will mess up, we all do, um, especially preschoolers, that God uh, is with you and for you and loves you anyway. Yeah. So um, before we get into the next question, we want to say what's up to everyone. It's, it's blowing yes. up on the feeds right now. David, Nelson, uh, Mr. Reinen, uh, Mandy, um, Tom, Jess, thank you guys for joining in Thanks, on guys. the live stream. Uh, give you a quick shout out. We need to have you all on the podcast yes, sooner or later. Absolutely. Um, I had a question for you, Kelsey. Sure. Um, how was your parents? How like you said your mom was a spiritual rock of the mm-hmm. family. Yeah, um, for sure. How how is that how was that growing up? How was your dad? Um, and you have three brothers. Like, how was mm-hmm. that growing up? And you're yeah. we're about in your teen years now, so maybe catch us up with the rest. Are they just as spiritual? Are you are they going to church? Mm-hmm. Like, tell me about them. Yeah. Um, well, my, uh, again, like I said, I wholeheartedly believe I have the best parents in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it was just their faith in the Lord. Um, I would say my mom had a very strong rooted faith just for the fact that she um, had seen a lot of life and experienced a lot of very difficult things. So I think when people experience a lot of difficult things, there's like one of two ways to go. You can either uh, surrender to God in the midst of those times, or you can, you know, delve into other lowercase G gods in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and she surrendered to God with a capital G praise uh, God for that. Um, and so her uh, relationship with the Lord was very strong. And my dad, you know, fell right into that mm-hmm. um, and had a strong relationship with God as well. Um, we were always very involved in church growing up. Um, my two older brothers are like significantly older than I am. Mm-hmm. Still love them just as much. Um, but they uh, had kind of their own lives going on. So I'm not too sure about where their faith was, but um, they do both love the Lord now, which praise God for that. Mm-hmm. So um, now they have very strong <coughs> relationships that I know of. Um, my brother, Matt, was also like the face of our youth group growing up. So we oh, were yeah? always like, yeah, very involved in youth group, uh, very involved in church. What, what youth group really quick? Give us uh, it was Morningside. <laughs> yeah, Morningside. Morningside. <laughs> I thought he was at least. He's my <laughs> older brother and everyone knows who he is. And I was always known as not as Kelsey. Oh, you're Matt's sister. Uh, so, okay. yeah, um, he was just you know, well-known because he was funny was and played the too, guitar. Right? Yeah, he was in the band. <laughs> so, you know, everyone wants to be with, you know, the guy with long hair yeah. and in the youth band. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, he was very involved in like the mission trips as well. So, like, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, that was just God was the topic of conversation, you know, at all times. And um, my own struggles, I would say that I don't put on like it wasn't my parents doing or even 
um, maybe just lack of people explaining in my life um, mm. what the gospel really means and how that you know impacts your life. Yeah. Um, like I, I said, like I knew of God and I knew His love for me, but that's yeah. not where my identity was lying. Yeah, I just I just think that the family is like a huge one of <laughs> the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, sources of spiritual formation. So yeah. I just wanted to catch us up to it. <clears throat> yeah, okay, so sure. you're um, you're 15, 16 or so. Uh, our little legalist over here, little <laughs> Pharisee. And um, so yes. what happened after that? Where, where are we going after? Um, well, that drove me my legalist identity and uh, my good works and, and uh, my accomplishments drove me to really uh, prestigious college um, for a year, uh, which was uh, very interesting uh, because my I did not realize how rooted my identity was in my accomplishments, my education, my works until that was taken away. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, after I graduated high school, I moved up to Chicago to attend a school up there. Um, and when I did, I had a really great time of just um, learning and understanding like this new world of academia and all this fancy stuff. And then right after that first year, um, they uh, withdrew my scholarship. So it's a needs-based school and just financially um, because of the financial situation my parents were in. Um, just was my dad losing a job and uh, getting another one and having the severance package. It just caused a lot of financial complication for the school. Um, so I went, uh, they reduced my scholarship by 90%. 90% drop. 90%. So you're, so they were giving you 10% of the, of the, what's the number? Give me the number. Okay. Like, yeah. What's the number? I had $31,000 a semester that they were giving me 31.5 and it went down to about 4,000. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, I mean, your your one year in college up there was like forty thousand dollars. Mm, yeah, a little more than that. Oh Very my gosh. <laughs> my so. my parents. The reason why my parents always wanted to give me, um, they wanted to give me the same opportunity my um, you know, my brothers had had um, with being able to pick where you know the schooling that I wanted and things like that, and so. Um, that was what I had wanted. And uh, it being a needs-based school, we thought that we could get more need than we did. Um, and so just the way that I loved the school, my parents were willing to do whatever it took to provide that for me, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah. Um, I could buy so much stuff before. <laughs> yes. It's a solid down payment <laughs> on a house. But um, uh, Lord uh, willingly, uh, I uh, ended up not returning because of that financial situation. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You, got, you forgot that. <laughs> We started dating. Oh yeah, we did. Get out of here. We yeah, we yeah, we did. I, this podcast isn't about us. It's about but Jesus. It's I'm up in there yes, too. Yes, <laughs> you are. You're totally part of that story so, too. Okay, learning so, that my identity was in school. Yeah. So tell me about that. When 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 you had to uh, when you heard the news that you can't be here. I'm, I'm assuming you, you right. You knew that you yeah. couldn't be here. Yeah. What was that like? especially as someone who had to earn and get accolades. Yeah, um, for sure. What did that do to you spiritually, identity-wise? What, what happened? Yeah, um, well, it was a lot of things. I uh, It really hurt my relationship with a lot of people. Um, how, how do you mean by that? Well, because I wasn't returning to Chicago, and it was crazy because it shows, like, the heart of my dad. My dad was, like willing to go through with me returning to that school, even though they were like taking my scholarship away, which is like, oh my gosh, incredible that he would even offer that. But I would never put my family through that financial situation, knowing that it was something like selfishly that I wanted. And then learning later on that it was because my identity was rooted in it, you know, mm -hmm. that my family, I put them through this financial situation just because I wanted to feel good that I went to this fancy school in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But uh, after I found out that I wasn't returning, I tried applying to every school in Florida that gave me a full ride scholarship. And God just repeatedly closed those doors one right after another. Uh, schools that I like barely applied to that they would send me like your full ride to the school would not even like look at my application because of like weird credits and the way things were transferring. Um, so I had to take a semester off. And so taking a semester off of school and having to work in retail, if anyone's worked in retail or if you still work in retail, I have all the like respect for you in the world because it's very difficult. Um, but being somebody that, um, you know, rooted themselves in their identity and having that literally stripped away, um, I think it started out with me calling you crying, saying, Aaron, <laughs> crying hysterically. Um, why do I feel like I have nothing left but God? And Aaron very logically, very lovingly says, why do you say that like it's a bad thing? And that was like a huge turning point because in the midst of that, I was ha I was living with my parents again in uh, Fort Myers. They moved from Port St. Lucie to Fort Myers. Um, so from my hometown to somewhere new. So I had no friends. I was trying to get involved in this church, but I felt like nobody like wanted to be my friend because I was like alone and the new person and they had known each other for years. It was probably something selfishly not wanting to like put myself out there. I don't blame them, but um, it was like tarnishing this identity being ripped away was tarnishing like my relationship with my mom. I remember in the kitchen, I was upset about something and I was fixing dinner or whatever. And my mom was like, I can't talk to you. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you explode at everything. And I was like so bitter and angry with God and just like knowing that your identity is in something else and God allowing that to be taken away is completely heartbreaking and very difficult. But it is the most beautiful experience that I've had in my life oh. because it really taught me that my identity is not in what I do. It's my identity is who in God calls me I am. And he says I'm a child of him um, shown through Jesus Christ, um, sacrificing his life for me. So you know? you, your identity, just back up, your, your yeah. identity was so wrapped up in so wrapped the up. school. Yeah. Like, look at and me. And my works, yeah. So it, it transitioned. No, like, what specifically? Like, is it the name of the school? Was it your grades? Um, I would say both. It was, I was at a very fancy school, very prestigious school. So that made me automatically feel really good about myself. So time out, guys. So just so you know, it's you, <laughs> Chicago. It's so funny because, like, when she started dating me, I was like, I've never heard of you, Chicago, before. My <laughs> like, I, I like to try to flex. And on I had me, to like prove to you how to good the school was. Like, like, it's like a, a baby Harvard school. dog. Like, I have zero. I have zero like respect for like the Ivy League schools yeah. or whatever. Especially only, after watching The Office. I only know Cornell. like I didn't even know Cornell was like that special. Yeah. Like I only know about Harvard and Yale, right? And yeah. So like, and I thought those were okay. I guess those are the best schools in the, in the world or something. But like, I have zero like yeah oh, for those schools yeah. so when she started when she started talking to me about like oh yeah you know you chicago it's the number one school number four school in all the nation the number one four school in all the nation oh, it I costs this awful. much to be in there uh you know i'm taking uh, some kind of random dumb studies and so i'm like no, oh. I took really good classes. I'm like like intro to mind or something like yes, that. That okay. class is so good. So I was like, who cares? Like it's just yeah. a school. Like, just, and so yeah. she's like out here flexing on me, and I'm like, I don't, I, I don't, don't, I have no care. care. It's, it's that should have that's probably was that like insulting to you or? 
Um, like, well, how did that, how did that Yeah, happen? well, if my identity is wrapped up in this school and here's this guy that I'm dating is like, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, okay, shot to the heart over here. Like, <laughs> feel real great over here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, of course it hurts. So your, but... your identity was wrapped up in school and yeah. what, you, what you would achieve and stuff like that. All that is ripped away. Yeah. And you're not even going to school. Yeah, not even going to school. I couldn't even like, it was so crazy. And the reason why I bring this up because I feel like it only could have been God. I couldn't even like sign up to take like Bobo non-degree seeking classes. Yeah. Like it was like, I would fill out the application and try to do it online, but it wouldn't work out online. So I had to go to like the, uh, at this time it was FGCU. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast University and I went in to like turn it in because I was like I couldn't turn it in online and they're like the deadline was yesterday I'm like are you serious (laughs) (laughs) right and God's like nope not that one either like you really got to learn Kelsey and I really I'm really grateful for that because I feel like I really did you know cool cool and so what happened after that you're you're um, schoolless your identity list yeah um and some handsome guy just says you know uh rely on God. It's, it's a good thing yeah. that you, that's the only thing you have. So what, yeah. what happens after that? Um, well, after, uh, just, uh, understanding that this was, you know, my identity was placed in other things. Um, I tried to just figure out what my life plan was going to be, um, after this just period of my life. So I finished out working at that job seasonally, um, until about Christmas time. And then I ended up quitting, which if you quit during retail during Christmas, they really don't like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found that out. Um, but, uh, I was preparing to attend a different university back on this coast. Um, so I was moving back to Port St. Lucie. Um, I was going to attend school at FAU, um, in hopes that that handsome, uh, man, I almost said boy, that handsome man, um, would make me his wife, uh, Lord willingly. And he did praise God for that. So, um, so a lot of people who move out of Port St. Lucie. So if, if you guys are listening to us, uh, you know, all over the place, but Port St. Lucie is uh, this little little town in Florida on the east coast of Florida. And mm-hmm. it's where we live right now. And people growing up, I find, want their number one goal in life is to get out yes, of Port St. Lucie. Get Lucy. me out. Like, for some reason... <laughs> Port yeah. St. Lucie is like, yeah, is like the, the worst. Is like the ball and chain. Like no one can ever accomplish anything in Port yeah. St. Lucie that's yeah. significant. Yeah, it's people. If you grow up here, you're a loser. If you stay yeah. here, you're a loser. <laughs> right? You yeah. have to get out. And so, because it's not like a cool city mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, for sure. So, tell me about like, did you grow up thinking that? And what happened when you came? Yeah. Back? Um, I absolutely did. I was that person in high school that always said, I'm moving out of Port St. Lucie and I'm never looking back. (laughs) Literally, you could ask like all of my friends in high school what what I used to say about Port St. Lucie. And it was that I was moving out of Port St. Lucie and never looking back. (laughs) Okay. I especially remember, and this is again, like um, a God thing, because I remember I was sitting at Starbucks with a friend. We were studying for um, our IB exams. And I remember sitting across from this friend saying those words, like, I'm moving away from Port St. Lucie and I'm never looking back. <laughs> um, and so when I said that, after I uttered those words, this thought entered my mind of like, which is crazy, because in my opinion, I think it was a God thing. But I had this thought of like, if you don't like how a place is, if you don't agree with the mentality that's there. If you um, don't like, you know, dynamics that are like invested there, whatever, um, or a culture there, um, why not be a part of changing that instead Mm -hmm. of just abandoning it? 
Yeah. And I had that thought in high school. Yeah. Little did I know that God would be like, but they're like, oh, come right back. I'm abandoning this place. <laughs> yes. I was like, bye. Here's, Never coming back. <laughs> Mandy says in the feed, uh, stop. I love it here. I yes. love, we love it here too. We do. Now I do. <laughs> um, I, I love it here. And yeah. I always, this was kind of just my ideas um, or just how I feel about it. I'm always about the place where I, there's the most people I love. Like, it's yeah. always about the people that are here. Absolutely. Not about the place. And I mean, people vacation here, like yeah. literally vacationing. So it's yeah. not a bad place either. Mm -hmm. But I was always connected to like, if my people are here, yeah, um, I want to be there too. Absolutely. Like no one goes to Disneyland by themselves, right? That would be you. really sad. It's very sad. I wouldn't um, go to Disneyland. Anyway, <laughs> no, it's but... like, it's like the happiest place, whatever. But like you go there. And you can't enjoy anything because, like, God wired us to be with people. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, God Himself is, and you know. Yeah, and I came from a big city too, so yeah. it's like I, I kind of I already knew that. Uh, the second thing is that I think this is important for all of us to know. Like, the reason why Kelsey and I are here is that um, I mean, amongst a lot of reasons, is that uh, God. I feel like God is calling us here. Amen. Especially to plant mm -hmm. a church here. Yeah. If you guys absolutely. didn't know, Fort from Fort Pierce. In 2015, there was a census by the Barnett Group from Fort Pierce to West Palm Beach um, is the most never churched uh, population in the United States. Yeah. Okay. So like if we're talking about like missionaries, like you were talking about, mm -hmm. it's this is the biggest. This is where they want to come. Premier yeah. mission field in yeah. the United States. And we're living yeah. in it. And it's, it's just like, so, and so this is kind of like why I feel called. And so yeah. it's funny because this is where my kind of story kind of ties in with hers. She wanted to move away. I knew <laughs> without a doubt, I'm staying here. Like you're staying here, woman. And, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and so there was like, there's always like clashing and stuff like that. And yeah, tension for there. sure. But, you know, I, I always win the arguments. And stuff. He does. Like, <laughs> can I just publicly say like, you know how people are like, the woman is always right. No, Aaron is always right. I'm, and I'm I will right humbly always right accept that. Well, I just talk a big game. That's my problem. <laughs> I think I know what the, all the things. And then I'm like, well, no. The, the thing was like, I felt super, I like, I just knew without a doubt I was called here. And yeah, I knew without absolutely. a doubt I was going to marry you. Yeah. Those things. So I was like, okay, they, this is, there's only one way together. this is going to happen. Um, and so that's kind of why Port St. Lucie's, uh, yeah. if, if you guys are out there, if anyone's from Port St. Lucie listening, this this is you if you're a christian in port st lucie you're living in a mission field yeah absolutely you, you are in the place where you could have like like kelsey said significant uh significant. power to change and yeah. impact this yeah. place like this port st lucie is a city that is only like like 13 years mm -hmm. old in the big boom well like a little older like 16 years old in big boom like this stuff happened in oh five or four or three mm -hmm. is like this big boom for port st lucie the number one growing city in the nation for a couple of years straight yeah for sure and so the the history of Port St. Lucie isn't that deep. It doesn't run deep, except for a few people. And it's like a bedroom community or something, yeah. like that, you know? And yeah. so we have a chance as Christians. And if whatever city you guys find yourself in, you guys have a chance as Christians to really shape culture and and, and um, impact culture. Not that it's, you know, you, know, you have to, but we kind of are called yeah. to kind of like, you know, it's that first um, uh, command by God, right? Uh, yeah. Fill the earth and subdue it. Yeah. And uh, we could do that within our own context. Absolutely. Anyway, so you're, you're back in Port St. Lucie. Mm -hmm. um, you, you just talked about how you never come back. And, and you know, you're back. You're attending a, a university <laughs> yeah. on this coast. What happens then? Yeah. 
Um, well, I was uh, moving back to Port St. Lucie. Um, some very loving people in my life did not um, see that coming to fruition and wanted me to seek other options. But um, after like looking back and thinking about that thought that I had in high school, like I knew that God um, was calling me here, especially now that I was like stripped of that identity issue. Um, I wasn't like ashamed to be saying I was moving back to Port St. Lucie, mm. you know, um, because I think, like you said, a lot of people do, if you go away to college and people see you in Port St. Lucie, they're like, Oh, are you back on vacation? And then they're like, no, I live here now. And you're like, Oh, that's like the response people would give yeah, you, especially yeah. like when I was excited oh, and so amped sorry. up about coming back. Yeah, Let that's, me pray for you. Let me <laughs> Literally, though, I had people that would give me that reaction, but um, I was excited. Um, I was started uh, working actually at the school that's a part of our church, um, which is awesome because my love for education translated. God used that in a really um, awesome way that I could be, you know, the first school experience for uh, kids because I loved education and I wanted them to love it too. Mm -hmm. um, just not find their identity in it. Um, so I started working at the school and I um, finished out uh, my degree, uh, whatever I had started at U Chicago, I finished out at FAU, um, graduated shortly thereafter. Um, then after that, just involving myself more and more in the ministries at our church, um, at our current church, Sunlight, uh, in the youth group and uh, in our young adults group, Redeem, and in just whatever other capacities that I could. Gotcha. So where does, um, where does, where, where do you feel like the Lord is taking you now? What is happening? What, what's like the big um, direction in life? Yeah. Um, what were you, what are you thinking? Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of, a lot of different things. Um, I think that God has really, uh, blessed, um, me with a husband who's just as ambitious as I am. Um, but not in a way again, like where our identity is rooted, just, um, our desire to, um, always grow. Um, so, uh, what that looks like is hopefully future church planning, as well as in conjunction with a future school plant, um, just an extension of what our church and community, our uh, church family is already doing um, here in Port St. Lucie. Um, also having a future family, that's yeah. definitely up there um, and being a part of obviously that. Um, if someone else is a part of that, that'd be weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that and also just um, I do have this uh, recent call um, to provide uh, the preschool environment is very interesting environment uh, in the same way that people will look at you and in shame when you tell them you move back to Port St. Lucie. A lot of times when you tell people you're a preschool teacher, they give you that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah I didn't know that. Oh yeah. There's a big culture with preschool teachers in that way. So like people, like it's like a shame thing. Yeah. But like if you tell people you're, I'm a teacher, that, that's the reason why I always say I'm a teacher. I don't say preschool teacher huh. because they, then they'll follow up with what grade do you teach? And then I say, I teach VPK and they're like, Oh. <laughs> oh, I know like nothing about yeah. the education. System. Yeah, there is. There's a very big <laughs> like, like education culture. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is, in my opinion, those years, those preschool years are like the most important in a kid's development. Sure. Yeah. Three to five years old. Super, super important. Um, if there are foundational skills then that aren't established, it makes, you know, things more difficult for them in the future. Um, so uh, I have a very big call to like provide support for preschool teachers just because um, and, you know, different capacities like YouTube uh, videos and things like that, just to provide different activities that are enriching yeah. um, that don't cost a lot of money. Because sometimes, too, uh, there's great resources out there. But I uh, there's this one uh, Instagram uh, I follow and it's a preschool, you know, resource um, page. And when I follow it, it's like if you subscribe for forty dollars a month, you can receive this box of activities. And I'm like, 
$40 a month. Like I can't afford that, you know, like, um, or, you know, you don't want to, because you're like, there's other things that I need to, you know, my teacher budget can allow for. So, uh, just providing resources for that as well in the future. Um, and just continuing to disciple people, um, young people in our church that, um, are questioning God and who he is. Sure. So those are just so, like, a I gotta, few of the calls. I want you to speak to a few different types of people here. Sure. Um, First, let's talk about preschool parents. Do you Ooh, have any preschool ad parents. Uh, advice for pe for parents who with their kids in preschool? Yeah. Um, about um, you know, faith in, with their in their kids' lives, oh, what wow. they can yeah. do in their absolutely. In their kids lives. Um, well, first, can I can I make the statement of if you have a child that's in preschool, your teacher is on your side. Um, I just feel like I need to say that because a lot of times I feel like uh, teachers can be like um, to blame for issues going on. And uh, the teacher is always on your side. They're mm -hmm. always for your kid um, in every way, shape and form. Um, and so whatever we're teaching them, if you're following up with that at home again, we're on your side. Um, and the second thing I would say is that um, in teaching them about faith, it is so important um, to not only teach them, you know, that God loves them, but that when they do make mistakes, God loves them anyway. Mm, yeah. um, so there's this uh, little gospel presentation I also share with my preschoolers. So feel free preschool parents to use it okay. as well. Let's yeah. Um, I talk about how we were at one time and I use my hands because you got to use hand movements when working with little ones. It's probably why I talk with my hands so much anyway, um, that we were together with God. Um, and that uh, this nasty thing called sin separated us from God. And I make it like super dramatic and rip our hands apart. Wow, yes. Uh, so sin ripped us apart. Um, and I talk to them about what sin is. And um, I tell them, I'm like, you know, God knows um, that, you know, that you don't always tell the truth. And God knows that um, sometimes you see things at the store and you want to take them without paying for them. Yeah, they get really big. I get animated <laughs> when I do it. Um, and that sin, uh, those choices, those wrong choices is what ripped us apart from God. Um, and then I, it's really cute because I always ask them now, now that they know this presentation, I'm like, what brought us back together? And there's always one kid in the back that's like, Jesus, like screaming it in the back. And I talk about um, Jesus brought us back together with God. Um, and now we can be, and I say best friends with God forever and ever because God took those sins and he put them on Jesus and he crucified Jesus in our place. I use big words like that. They do understand what it means once you explain it to them, died on the cross for our sins. Um, and then I always ask about, did Jesus stay dead? And they're like, no, they're little, you know, ex they're excited when we teach this, um, but talk about how we can have it be best friends with God forever. And I say, so when we do sin, are we still torn apart from God? No, we're brought back together with God because of Jesus. Okay. So teaching that I a little, I like Sweet. to teach, I at least try to teach it I used to teach it every day, but we're going through a lot of, uh, you know, Good Friday things, Last Supper things. So we're going through sure. more of those stories right oh, now. Cool. But at least once a week, I'd make sure to teach that or reinforce that in the classroom. Pro tip over there, guys. Yeah, That's pretty yeah. cool. Well, All right. So let, uh, one, two more people I want to, I want you to talk to. Sure. Um, the second person is a preschool teacher. Oh, preschool teacher. What would you, what would you say about, you know, some kind of encouragement or advice about giving them for... They're, they're little ones. Yeah. Um, maybe what's like the hardest thing for a preschool teacher? What's their number one struggle? And yeah. what would you say to that? Um, preschool teachers, uh, you are amazing. Uh, God is uh, with you and for you, just the way that I would say that to um, my preschoolers. Uh, it can get really, really difficult because you have to um, please a lot of people. 
Uh, what I mean by that is you have to please the kids making sure that all of the things that you're teaching them is engaging and that they're enjoying that. You have to please, you know, your superiors, just like in any job that you have to do big projects that can be overwhelming when you have other things that you have planned and you have parents that you also have to please. Um, but God is with you and for you and you are doing incredible work for him. Um, and for his kingdom, um, and for these families, you are changing lives. Um, and again, your identity is not rooted in that. Your identity is rooted in, um, in Jesus, um, and his sacrifice, um, so that you could be with him for eternity. Um, but, uh, you are amazing people and we are all exhausted and understand the struggle, <laughs> but we are in it together for sure. Those would be the things that I would say to the preschool teacher. Awesome. Uh, yeah. one, one last type of person, a uh, little, Little legalists, little legalists, there, little Woo! Pharisees out Woo! there. Little um, me's? No, I don't want to meet who, them. Who find their <laughs> worth or identity in what they could bring to the table? Yeah, and how what they could build for themselves yeah. in their lives, and like the trophies that they could hold. Yeah. What would you say to that person, especially for education? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I was just about to be like, throw the trophies away. Um, no, but uh, seriously. Um, I would say that, uh, and I, it's funny because this is what I used to say to our middle schoolers, or sometimes I still do to our middle schoolers and high schoolers in youth ministry is that, um, first comes Jesus, then comes the works. Um, because I think sometimes we mix those up and put, um, you know, the works in front of our relationship with God and that we use that as the main source of our relationship with God. Like God's happy with me because I went to church today. God's happy with me because, I let the little old lady go in front of me at the grocery store. God's happy with me because I made my husband breakfast, whatever it is. Um, and so really knowing your security that God loves you, even though you are an enemy of him in the sense of sin tore your relationship apart, knowing that um, and truly understanding that you are forgiven and free and what that looks like first then being reminded that, yes, God wants you to, you know, um, live your life uh, like Jesus, which looks like a good life. You know, it's filled with good works, but that's not what your relationship with him sure. is rooted in. Sure. Um, and so that's what I would remind those legalists, especially like, um, I don't know. I think that when I truly like let those trophies down and threw them down and got, you know, well, God took them away. Um, that is when I really realized the joy that there is and the comfort there is in Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that those good works can be taken away. So then your relationship with God is then shaky. And then sure. you're like, oh, snap, am I in good graces with God today? Oh, no, I lied to my mom. I did. Well, no, because I don't really lie. I can't lie to my mom. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I lied to my brother that I could do. Sure. I lied to Matt. So uh, things like that. Um, that always it makes your relationship look like this with God, which I think, to be honest, is why I struggled with self-esteem issues was because I was always fearful of what my standard looked like or what my standing looked like with God. Um, and then now I have such comfort and security. And now I desire to do, you know, these good things and um, these good works because of what he's done for me, yeah. not because I think he'll love me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to. um Man, when you were just talking, I'm just like, honestly, I was like, man, God gave me the right one. God gave me the right one. You didn't mess up there. Like, God kind of knows, you know what man, I'm saying? I'm just super grateful for uh, for you in my life and your love for the gospel <laughs> and your understanding of God's yeah. love for you and grace. And uh, for real, like, yeah. really, really. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, so 
I, I want to give you the last word, but before we do, um, uh, I'm going to give you the last question. But before we do, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone who is a little legalist, is a preschool teacher, a parent. Um, <laughs> share it with one of these three people, uh, yeah. someone who would really want to, uh, I don't know, feel like they could get a lot from this too. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, so, if, and if you're watching the hashtag replay, hashtag replay, and share this video too, and uh, like, and all this stuff. Anyway. Let's finish off. Um, the last question that we always ask our people, uh, why do you think God is awesome? God is awesome because he is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and infinity chances mm -hmm. that he would give someone so rooted in their um, good works in their other things, choosing other things instead of him that he would choose to still love me anyway. Um, after knowing the filth and disgust of what's inside of me, um, that's why he's awesome because he does that for um, everybody and anybody, he, you know, he offers that to us all. Um, but because he does that to the person that, you know, grew up in a Christian home and grew up going on mission trips in the same way that he does for a drug addict or someone struggling with pornography or um, people, you know, um, going back to ex-boyfriends that don't treat them well. God is with them and for them um, every time that they mess up along the way because he desires that change of their heart, not the change. You know, he desires a change of their works, too, yeah. but the heart first. Yeah. And because he changed my heart. Um, I think he can change anybody's. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks babe. for having me. Love you. This is awesome. Thank you guys you for joining us. Yes. Thanks, guys. Um, again, big you guys are awesome. To Tom and Jess and Mandy, David Nelson. Everyone yes. Thanks for watching. Hey, Nelson said on. he wasn't going to watch. Um, who else we got here? Knew you always Raph, Miss Raynan, um, and Mark. Thank you guys all for joining yes, us. Thanks, guys. Today. We appreciate it. Um, we will see you guys next time.